As you probably know, I run a six-figure brand online, but something you might not know is that I have five kids who I homeschool. And as I'm sure you can imagine, that is kind of a lot. Like both of those things could be full-time jobs. I could do both of those things, parenting my five kids, running my brand for 60, 70 plus hours a week. But somehow I have to fit both of them in because they are both priorities of mine. Now, my mom friends often ask me how in the world I have time to run both an entire business when parenting itself feels like such a full-time job. And I totally get where they're coming from because I often feel that way myself. But here is something that I've noticed over the past 10 or so years of doing this. And as my life has changed, you know, as I've taken on different commitments and let other commitments go, here's the thing that I've noticed. Work tends to expand to fill all of your available time. You might have heard this called Parkinson's Law, which just says that work expands to fill the time available to it. Well, I found that this is not true just of an individual task, but of everything that's on your plate, that however much you have on your plate, it's going to fill up all your time. In other words, if you have just a few responsibilities, they can fill up your whole day just as much as a larger number can. Now, of course, there is a limit on this. There's a certain point at which there's no way you could possibly fit more in your day. But anywhere under that upper threshold, you're probably going to feel like all of your time is taken up. So if you have kids, you might feel like 95% of your time is spent parenting and there's no way on earth you could possibly squeeze in running a whole business. But when you have more on your plate, you just work a little faster, you waste a little less time, you cut the corners a little bit, and you figure out what the essentials are for each area of responsibility in your life and you make it work. This reminds me a lot of a conversation that I had with Lisa Bass of Farmhouse on Boone a few months ago where we talked about this concept of work expanding to fill all of your available time. In our conversation, Lisa shared with me that she thought her days were so full with running her business and her household. Just for a little bit of context, she has eight kids, she homeschools, and they grow most of their food, and she makes a lot of their clothing and things like that. And then they got a dairy cow. Somehow she managed to make milking the cow and making cheese, yogurt, ice cream, and many other related tasks all squeeze into their already very full schedule. And she just shared this as an anecdote of how amazing it is how our time can expand to fit in even more, even when we feel like it is already full to the brim. And what this makes me think is that we are really capable of way, way more than we give ourselves credit for. So in short, The main thing that makes it possible for me to run a business as a mom of five isn't anything specific that I do at all. It's just that, honestly, it actually isn't as hard as it looks. Beyond that, though, there are several tactics that I use to make this whole crazy life of mine just a little more sane and functional. So that's what I'm going to get into in this episode. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. 
I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. The first tactic, or really more like philosophy that I use to be able to get all this done is something called essentialism. Essentialism has to do with paring things down to the parts that truly matter. It's akin to minimalism, but a little different. I would like to think that essentialism might encompass a little bit more. We're not paring things down just for the sake of paring things down, and we are doing it with a whole lot of purpose behind it. Essentialism really starts with knowing your goals, because only when you know your goals can you then figure out which parts of the process are, in fact, essential. Take homeschooling, for example. My goal for homeschooling is not to replicate public school at home. Rather, it's to teach my children skills, think reading, writing, and arithmetic, problem solving, and logic, that they can take and apply to whatever passions they choose to pursue. And let me just say this, teaching those skills, even mastering those skills, takes far less than the six or so hours per day that we would need to spend on school if we were trying to replicate public school at home. And that's why I say that you really have to know what your goals are first to know what the essentials are. Big picture when it comes to parenting, when it comes to raising my kids, my goal is to raise my kids well. And strategically, that looks like kind of five points here. One, spending plenty of quality time with them. That can look like time where we are doing school, time where we're reading books together, time where we're doing chores together, time where we're just relaxing together, but making sure that I get to spend plenty of quality time with them. Second, teaching them important lessons, ideas, and skills. This really comes out of spending time with them, but it requires a little bit more intentionality. So this obviously includes school. It also includes doing chores with them, and it definitely includes talking to them a lot. A third big goal of mine is to support them financially. I have to do that so that they have food on the table, clothes on their backs, and a place to live. My fourth goal is to feed them healthy food. Now, here, I want to emphasize the healthy part. I really want to strengthen their bodies as best I can and strengthen their minds as well. So it's not just about getting food on the table, but I want to put aside time to cook in my kitchen and to learn about nutrition so that I can really nourish them. And then my fifth goal is to give them opportunities to exercise. Now, I wouldn't say that's one of my top priorities, but I do think that exercising our bodies and our minds is important, and so it's something that I want to do with and for my kids. Now, to accomplish these five goals of mine, here's how I spend my time. First, I make sure that I spend time homeschooling. This doesn't take as much time as you might think. We spend about two hours, sometimes as much as three, per day on school. I also spend time in the kitchen cooking healthy meals. That also takes up about two hours a day. And I spend time running my business, about four hours a day. And that's so that I can support my kids financially. It's so that I have the time available to be able to teach them and have these conversations with them. It's so that I have the money available to be able to buy that healthy food for them. So since I know that my big goal in life is to raise my kids well, that's how I choose to break down my time. Those are the things that I choose to prioritize. Homeschooling, cooking, 
and running my business. It's not because my business is so important. It's not because cooking is such a passion of mine. I enjoy it. But the real reason why is because I know my priorities. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. However, essentialism does not stop with just knowing your big picture priorities. As I mentioned earlier, the reason that I'm able to homeschool my kids in just two hours a day is because I'm also clear on my educational goals. So I'm able to pare our school down to only the essentials. And then I just apply that same strategy to running my business and even to preparing meals. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like when it comes to my business, because after all, that is the focus of this podcast, right? So when it comes to my business, essentialism looks like, first of all, optimizing for the only three metrics that I really care about. The first one is customer success. That's super important to me because, first of all, I think it's the right thing to do. And second, it's what gives me passion for my work. Second, the number of customers served, because that's kind of how I quantify how much work I'm accomplishing. And then third is profit, because at the end of the day, that's kind of where the rubber hits the road. The main reason I'm running my business is to support my family, is to be able to raise my kids well, and profit is kind of how that gets quantified. Now, if the first step is knowing what metrics I'm optimizing for, the second step is choosing to ignore vanity metrics, which include follower counts, likes, and even things like comments or responses to the content that I create. It's not that those things are completely meaningless, but they're not the most important metrics. They're not the metrics that I want to optimize for. And so if I'm going to run my business from a standpoint of essentialism, then those are things I need to let go of. My third step is simply keeping my business strategy as simple as possible. I would say this one is easier said than done. I'm always tending to overcomplicate things, and it is really helpful to me to have reset times. So this might be at the beginning of every month or every quarter, certainly at the beginning of a new year, where I rethink my business strategy with the main goal being to simplify it as much as possible. And then finally, the fourth tactic that I use to run my business in an essentialist way is just keeping my team small and agile. It can be so tempting to just try to make things bigger and bigger and more and more grand. It can kind of make you feel important. But from my experience, it hasn't really added to my main goals of raising my kids well. When my team is small and agile, we're able to get way more done than I could get done on my own. So that contributes to having our customers be more successful and serving more customers and earning more profit, which then in turn enables me to have more financial resources to pour into my family. But when the team gets too big, we don't tend to make a whole lot more profit and it certainly takes more of my time. So it ends up being counterproductive. So I could go on about essentialism, but for the sake of time, let's move on now to talking about the second tactic that I employ to be able to run this brand with five kids at home. And that is what I'll call the nap time empire. So personally, I think that one of God's greatest gifts to moms is that the younger a child is, the more sleep they need. In fact, did you know that there is an inverse relationship between the amount of care a child needs and how many hours of care a child needs every day? 
So in other words, children who need the most care in terms of like they need help with everything, they need the fewest hours of care because they sleep like literally half the day. Whereas as your child gets older, they need less and less help with things. They can do more on their own and they also sleep less. So they're awake for a lot more of the day. A lot more needs to be done for them. But like I said, they're able to do it themselves. Now, if you head over to my website, GillianPerkins.com, and you click on the blog tab, you can see the blog post version of this episode that you're listening to right now. And in that blog post, I've included this chart that is from kidshealth.org, and it breaks down the amount of sleep that kids at different ages need. So starting with infants, babies ages zero to three months old, they need 14 to 17 hours per day of sleep, and that includes naps. So not 14 to 17 hours a night. They might only sleep 10 hours or so a night, but then they also need several hours of naps a day. Then the next age group on this chart is the 4 to 12-month-old infants who need 12 to 16 hours of sleep, so a couple hours less. Then we think about toddlers, ages 1 to 2 years old, 11 to 14 hours of sleep. Your preschooler, your 3 to 5-year-old, needs about 10 to 13 hours of sleep. And then your school-age child, the 6 to 13-year-olds, 9 to 12. Teens, according to this chart, need 8 to 10 in my experience, I'd say that teens are kind of like the most swinging group where some of them only need, you know, eight or even less. And then others seem to suddenly regress and need a whole lot more sleep, especially during growth spurts. Now, I know you might have not been able to track along with all those numbers I just read off to you. But the main point is the younger your child is, the more sleep they need. And if you have a baby, they probably need 14 to 15 hours or so per day in sleep. And that's a lot more than most of us adults need. Some of us might need 10 or so hours, but of course the average is about eight. And some people get by fine on six or seven. My dad, he's getting older and he only sleeps about five hours a night these days. Regardless of exactly where you're at though, my main point here is that most kids need 10 to 15 hours of sleep most adults need about eight. And that means that most of us have about two to six free hours every day where our kids are asleep and we can spend that time on whatever we choose. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this. You might need nine or 10 hours. Your kids might only sleep eight. But on average, kids sleep quite a bit more than adults do. And this has definitely been one of my secret weapons for building my business while still having plenty of time for my kids. I typically wake up one or two hours before them and get almost half my work done before they're even up. And then I also work while the baby naps. Now, I am not at all saying that you should or you need to get all your work done while your kids sleep. I certainly do not. I'm also not saying that you need to sacrifice or you should sacrifice your sleep and work all night. And I'm also not saying that you have to wake up earlier. If you're a night owl, this could mean that you stay up a couple hours after your kids go to bed and you work on your business then. But regardless of what your schedule looks like, if you have young kids, they probably sleep more than you and taking advantage of those couple of hours of nap time or the couple hours after they go to bed or before they wake up is very helpful if you're trying to build a business and you want to make sure that you have plenty of time to spend with your kids as well. This is just completely separate from whether or not you have childcare. Of course, childcare is helpful, but personally, I choose to not make use of 
almost any outside childcare because I want to spend as much time with my kids as I possibly can. Let's move on now to talking about my third tactic, which I've titled Divide and Conquer. So one approach that really didn't work well for me was trying to run my business while parenting. Wanting to spend as much time with my kids as possible, sometimes I would pull out my laptop in the living room and I'd try to check off a few tasks while supervising my kids or while hanging out with them. Or I'd set the kids up with an activity while I tried to work through my inbox and clear it out. But while this sounded good in theory, working with my kids around didn't work well for me because I felt like I was too distracted to do either thing well. I wasn't really able to be present with my kids, to be able to enjoy them and give them the attention they deserved, nor was I able to give my work the thought that it demanded to be able to do it well. So ultimately for me, trying to work at home made my work take so long that I felt like I was working all the time. And that was really not fun. That made me just feel like I was a slave to my work and like I could never get a break. So these days, I keep my family and my work quite separate, at least for the most part. I have a dedicated home office and I have dedicated work hours. And having that dedicated time and space for my work makes sure that I not only have the time and space to work my business effectively, but it also means that when I'm not working, I can be fully present with my family because I know that there is that time and space set aside to work on my business and that I've set aside enough time to be able to work on it as much as I need to. So I don't have to think about it or worry about it when I'm not at work. Now, back when I was first starting out, before my business started making much money, I'll be honest, it was tough to find space or time. Just to give you a little example of this, my first home office was just a table that I placed in a corner of my bedroom. And nap time was my prime work time. So sometimes I had to be a bit flexible if the baby woke up before I was ready to be done. And maybe that night I had to stay up a little bit extra late. But if you can relate to this, here is the good news that I want to share with you. As it says in the Bible, he who is faithful in what is least will also be faithful in what is much. And the application that I'm taking from that today is if you dedicate your time and your energy to your business, even when your business is nothing or even when your business is very small, you will soon find that it turns into something and that it will eventually provide you the resources to be able to work on it more. So in short, when your business is small, you might feel like you have to be really scrappy and it's tough to even find the time or the space. But as your business grows, it will make you more and more money. And then you can reinvest some of that money into having more time and more space to work on it more. And that leads me right into my next point, which is getting help. Now, we all know how powerful it can be to get help. Delegating tasks in your business allows you to do even more than you could do on your own. And it can also free up your valuable time to focus on important projects in your business or to spend more time with your family. Now, especially as a mom, this getting help is vital to my well-being and my success. I get a little bit of help with childcare and housework and a lot of help with running my business. And I definitely could not accomplish nearly as much if I had to do it all on my own. But I'm going to be real with you. It can be tough to figure out how to get this ball rolling. If your business isn't yet very profitable, then how can you afford to get the help that you need to be able to grow it? 
Well, first of all, it's important to avoid the mindset of believing that you need to get help to be able to start making money. Business doesn't have to be complicated, and you don't need to be posting content on all the platforms. And most entrepreneurs, including me, didn't have help until after we finally got profitable. Just to be really real with you, I tried investing in my business when it was small, before it was profitable, before I had the money, literally put getting some help on the credit card. And it just came around to bite me. It really wasn't helpful because I didn't yet have a working system. Like I hadn't yet learned the lessons that I needed to learn to learn how to get my business to make me money. And so spending money on getting help ended up just being a waste of money. I didn't yet have the wisdom that I needed to have to be able to put that help to good use. So please avoid my mistake and learn how to work your business before you go out there and try to hire help to do more of what you're already doing. But on the more encouraging side of things, I just want you to know that this doesn't have to be a long wait. Once you figure out how your business will actually make money, and I don't just mean in theory, but I mean your business actually start actively making you money, then getting help is easy. You don't have to put it on the credit card because when you get help strategically, it doesn't have to cost you any money. Then strategically getting help is an investment with a positive return. So you're going to earn more money from hiring the help than it costs you. So you don't need to be able to afford to hire help. You need to have the right strategy. Okay, so here's a little example of this. Every two weeks, I pay someone to deep clean my house. Now, a lot of people might look at that and think that I am privileged to have the luxury of getting someone else to clean my house for me. They might think like, wow, Gillian really has it made. Now she just gets to relax and someone else does her chores for her. And while I really appreciate this help that I get, here's the thing. I'm not just relaxing. While my house cleaner is taking care of some of my housework, I'm working too. I'm in my office managing my business because that's what I know how to do best. That's how I can create the most value. And it's also how I want to offer value to the world. Meanwhile, my house cleaner is in my living room vacuuming because that is the most valuable skill that she has right now and how she chooses to bring value to the world. Is it a privilege to be able to get help? Absolutely. But it's more about working together and each of us bringing our unique skills and the value that we can to the table and then exchanging that value with each other so that we can cooperatively accomplish the most and everyone can benefit. The fifth strategy I want to share with you today is to not take bank holidays. As a business owner, it is really easy to fall into cultural norms like working 40 hours a week. But here's the thing. When you're the boss, you get to make the rules. And that can make it much more compatible with parenthood than most careers would be. One corporate pattern that a lot of entrepreneurs follow is automatically taking bank holidays. I'm talking about, quote, holidays like Columbus Day, Labor Day, Memorial Day, things like that off of work. Now, you might want to celebrate these days, but a lot of us take off these days just because everyone else is. 
But personally, I choose to work on most of those holidays so that I can kind of bank those holidays, bank those days off and be able to easily afford to take time off that is a lot more meaningful to me instead. I'm talking about days like my kids' birthdays. I don't know about you, but personally, I would way rather take off my kids' birthday than take off Columbus Day. Or I can take off a day for a trip to the beach or a trip to the zoo. Or even just for a cozy family day where we get to play games and relax by the fire. My main point here is that being intentional about when I choose to take my time off gives my family a lot more flexibility and it makes sure that I can be there for all of my kids' important milestones, even as the CEO of a six-figure digital brand. Now, the last tactic that I want to share with you is to build passive income systems. Here's the thing. If I had to work for each individual dollar that I earn, then there would always be a trade-off between either A, more time with my kids, or B, more money in the bank. I'd always be having to make that decision, decide which one is more important to me. But I am way more of a have my cake and eat it too kind of woman. I don't really believe in binary choices. I believe there's almost always a third option that lets you have the best of both worlds without having to compromise one value for another. Now, a lot of what I've addressed earlier in this episode has been about things like scheduling and getting help, essentially like how I make time to work on my business. And that explains how I'm able to, quote, run a business with five kids. But it doesn't really speak to how I'm able to run a $600,000 brand with five kids. The answer to that comes down to one main thing, what I call 100K funnels. These are automated systems that sell my products for me, generating passive income for my brand day in and day out even if I only spend a few hours in my office each week. Now, each of these 100K funnels takes three to six months to build. So you can't just like want it and instantly make it happen. It takes some work. But once you have a 100K funnel set up, you can sit back and you can just let it do its thing. And its thing is consistently bringing in thousands of dollars every month for years. Now, since this is the one business strategy that has had the very biggest impact on my business's revenue, I wanted to find a way to teach you all of its ins and outs. So what I did is I recorded a 10-episode podcast series called The 100K Method to do exactly that. So I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for this episode to The 100K Method. Like I said, it's a 10-episode podcast miniseries. Of course, it's completely free, like most podcasts are. But what makes it really different from most podcasts is that it's only 10 episodes long. What I love about this is that you can start it and you can finish it. And that you don't have to wonder where you should start. You can literally start at episode one and just listen all the way through. And you can learn all about 100K funnels, the 100K method, how it all works, and how you can use this system in your own business. So if you are a digital entrepreneur, especially if you sell a course or a membership site, and especially if it's a higher end course, so you sell your course for over $200, then I would love to invite you to listen to the 100K Method podcast and learn how to use this system in your business. Again, the link for that is in the show notes. You can also find it at gillianperkins.com slash 100K dash method. I hope that you really enjoy it. I hope you get so much out of it. And I hope it changes the way you run your business and gives you so much freedom to be able to 
have your cake and eat it too, to have a wildly successful, highly profitable business that generates tons of passive income and also allows you to have plenty of time to spend with your family or on whatever you are passionate about in life. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins. And until next week, stay focused and take action.